This is episode 154 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing Growth Getaway 2015. This is session three. Amen. Amen. Yeah, the crazy drummer. Things are flying. Things are flying crazy. Man, I'll tell you, I've talked to a few of you students and leaders, and I wanted to, to say it to all of you. Uh, right now, if you if you like uh, these guys and you want us to come and, and play for your youth group, your camp, your church, or just uh, have us at your home, and we could we, we could just do like a house show. Um, it's 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 no big deal. We would totally love to do it. So uh, you can connect with us by getting one of those stickers. The reason we have them is it shows our website on it, which has our email address. And you can, uh, you can fully get us for any worship night, special event, camp, retreat, or even just a youth group night. We don't mind just driving large amounts of time and just going and, and leading worship. It's what we love doing, and uh, so we want to do it. If you love having us, we would do it. And just for a fraction of the cost, like just get us tacos, and, uh, and we'll be there for you. So uh, that, goes, that goes for all of you, except for the, the people that are really far away. There's like a group from like Walla Walla. I'm kidding. We would go out there too. Just because, just so I could go there and tell your mayor that the proper pronunciation is Waya Waya. The double L is pronounced Y. So if you guys could spread that. Here you have tacos. You have tacos at Waya Waya? Good. That's good. So, uh, yeah, we would love to do that. So, um, yeah, for now, we could open the word uh, together. This uh, message, I'm just uh, so excited. It's one of the one things that I uh, love talking about, um, uh, talking about identity and who we are. You know, I think especially in this weird uh, age called middle school or junior high or whatever you call it, you're trying to figure out. Uh, who you are, you're trying to figure out your identity. Uh, many a hipster is made in middle school uh, because they weren't a hipster before, and then they somehow in high school they are one now, and there's this weird thing that happens uh, with your identity and, and who you are and that projected persona that you're giving off to those people who are around you. So we're going to look at identity above talking about identity and who we are really identified in Christ. But before we do that, we're going to pray. Let's stand. We should do it. We should stand. Standing is good. It'll keep me awake. Um, and uh, so same deal. I'm going to pray for you. I'll say amen. You pray for me, right? I don't need to explain again. We got it? Yes. We're good, okay? And know that this isn't just some routine that we're going to find ourselves in. This is uh, inviting God into this place. Me praying for your hearts. You praying for my words. And that God's going to show up. How many of you now would say that you've actually heard from God this past two days now? These past two. Amen. So we still got some people that need to hear from him. Right? And we hope that, uh, we hope that it's tonight, man. That's my prayer. So let's pray. God, I thank you again for this night. God, I thank you that we just get to mark out this time uh, for you and for your glory. 
God, we know that all we do is for your glory, but this is a time where we just get to sit and focus on you and your truth and who it is that you tell us that we are. God, so I pray that you would open our eyes to who we are in Christ. God, and that we wouldn't find our identity in anything else besides you and your son and the work that your son did on the cross. So I pray that you would now quiet hearts. God, physically tired right now. And help us to focus on you and what you have. God, that we wouldn't take this uh, opportunity and blow it. God, but that our hearts would be soft and ready for your word and your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. that you would say, that somebody would look at you and say, this person is this. 
They're a musician. They're a brother. They're a son. They are a, a sports star. They're an athlete. They are a drama person. And all these things that you would say, you would look at yourself in that way and you would realize that that is not who you were five years ago. And maybe it's not what you will be five years from now. Now I remember in the sixth grade, I was the stuff. And I'll tell you why. My mom's laughing, but this is the truth. It was because in the fifth grade, for Christmas, Santa gave us a foosball table. And this foosball table we kept out in the garage. And my older brother, he was a year older than me, he went to middle school before me, he went to middle school and he sat me down one day after the first week of middle school, he got really close, he sat me down, we were knee to knee and eye to eye, and he got that serious look on his face, he said, Rocky, Rocky, Yes. I need to tell you something, Rocky, you are never going to believe what they play during lunch at this middle school, do you know what it is, Rocky? No, I didn't know. Okay, I didn't. <laughs> you know, but I didn't. Do you know what it is? It's foosball. <laughs> now listen to me. Rocky, listen to me. You have one year to practice. <laughs> listen. No, listen to me. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Everybody focuses on the offense. The little three-man and five-man. But nobody is working on defense. You become a good defense player, you will play with ninth graders. You, Rocky, my brother, will be a god. <laughs> it's not funny to do that. Rocky, I'm being serious, right? This is a very special moment. You will remember this like 30 years from now, and you will tell it in front of a group of people. Why are you laughing at this moment? Rocky, what's your and then, and so something about that hit me. Because I wasn't a Christian at the time, and I thought, well, being a God sounds nice. So I started to practice. We lived out in the country, so we didn't have any neighbors. My older brother didn't want to practice with me. My mom didn't want to. How are you? Worse. And so I would go out by myself. In the winter, I'd put on the heavy coat and I'd even wear gloves. You, you, you have to know, this is like the 80s. This is before uh, the internets. This is before YouTube, right? And now you could probably go to YouTube and you could type in how to become a god at defensive foosball and you'd like see some Korean three-year-old like uh, rocking it up, playing with his feet and while playing the guitar at the same time. And uh, you could learn both things at once, right? This is before this, right? I was making plays out of my own book. I was writing the playbook. I remember at one point, I stood at the foosball table and I just looked down at, at like this and tried to figure out the best position 
for my goalie and my defender to cover the maximum amount of the goal. I remember I would work on these moves, just knocking the ball back and forth between the two till I could get enough power. I worked on uh, my placement. I could hit the corners. I worked on the Z bank, which was uh, something that I actually created, though didn't make popular, was Hans Zermer, a famous uh, Swedish foosball player who made it popular many years after I, I'm just kidding. I'm just making stuff up now. But I did come up with the Z-Bank where it bounced off one bank, bounced off the other bank, and then it would go into the goalie. I worked on my power. I could hit that ball so fast. It was just like a blur, and it would hit so fast and hard that it would go through the goal. It would come out the other end and then go back through the goal again. That was the power that I had. And I was just working it, man. I was working the books for a year. And then I show up the very first day. All my friends know I've been working on it. And we walk up to the foosball tables, which are like enshrined around the cafeteria in the very center. And there they are. And me and my friends, we go walking up there. And here I am, this dorky little sixth grader, brown boy, loving tacos. And I walk up there. Not, he has a um, he has a mullet. <laughs> Back when it was first popular, he had this new wave hairstyle that would kind of go over his eyes and kind of go like that. And he's like, "Hey, I'm looking for a goalie. Any one of you play goalie?" I remember it would seem like all my friends like took a step back, and I was in front, and somebody was like, "Rocky's he's pretty good goalie." And we're six trainers. That's how it sounded like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. 
this thing that she was just taking me to like specialist after specialist to figure this out because she couldn't even stand it. I remember at one point I was wondering what this nasty smell was, and then I, I stuck my nose in my own pit and I smelled it. And I just like Kendall, who was looking at me, smell myself and look at the disgust, and she looked over at me. She's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I know. We all know. Now we're glad you know. Do something about it." And we tried to do something about it. Couldn't do anything about it. I started getting zits all over the place, and I'm not meaning just all over the place, but they were big zits. Man, they were zits that were giant, and they would end up like right on my nose, these monstrous things. And then my hair started doing something crazy, it's why I shaved my head. My hair started doing this weird thing, which is somewhere between like an afro and I don't know what. There's no mathematical equation that explains my hair. Man, you take any four pieces of hair in my head, and uh, one goes straight up, one like goes to, goes left, one's curly, and one is doing so I don't know what's going on with it. It's like it might as well be pie, right? Three point one four. There's no there's no equation, right? That's that's how it is. It begins to defy the law of gravity and physics. It would, it would, it became a health hazard. Is uh, what it was. I could put my head under the shower for like an hour before water would come down. That's how it was. And I tried to tame it. I tried to tame it in middle school. I remember I would start with the moose and I would grab a whole handful of moose and I would run it through my hair and I would try to scold it. And then I would get the green translucent extra firm extra hold gel and I would put so much of it like on the sides and around here that it would begin to like go down the back of my neck and form into hard droplets of plastic that would like stuck on the back of my neck and kids would like point at and do that whole thing and then I'd finally finish with a hairspray, right? Until it got to that point where you could touch my hair, I didn't feel it. Man, I didn't feel a thing and it was like this big helmet, but even that wouldn't control it. By the end it would begin to like poke out like that and I have these weird sort of like duck spike things going on like that. And not only that, but then my dad moved to this new job. It wasn't the job that was promised him. And now all of a sudden we're in the poor house and we can't even buy clothes. So I have three shirts. I've got three shirts. I have two Simpson shirts and I have a green shirt that I got in the double pack in Costco. Now I know that I can't wear the Simpson shirts on the same day and I can't wear the green shirts on the same day. So I take the Simpson shirts, wear them on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I wear the green shirts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You know, that is my regime. That's what I'm doing. I remember when the popular kid found that out. Mm -hmm. And then I played cello. Now, cello was something. Man, cello was something Rosebrick had never seen before. They were not ready for cello. Okay, so I put the nerve in band. So now just imagine. Man, I show up the first day, brand new school, whacked out hair, sits everywhere, stinking like who knows what else, wearing the same clothes every single day with his waddling with his giant instrument. Is this kid, and how can we stay away from him? And I'll tell you the truth, man, I did not have a single friend for a year. A year? I remember, I remember walking around. I remember I, I figured out this figure eight that I could walk around Fremont Junior High, this figure eight, and if I walked slow enough, I wouldn't pass the same two people twice. And I would just walk in this thing until the first school bell hit. And then at lunch, I would go to the library because in the library, they have these little cubby holes that you could go and eat your lunch at. And I'd sit there by myself, eat this lunch. And all of a sudden, here I was riding high in the foosball arena to eat lunch by myself in a library cubicle. 
Man. And I'll tell you what. Rocky is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. My identity was ripped from me. And people began to declare who I was. But that only lasted for a year or two years until I put on a new costume, a new mask, a new set of things that, guess what, changed again and changed again and changed again. I remember reading this quote out of the book. It said this, that whatever a man is, has been, or will be is not what a man will be at some point in time. In other words, anything that you can say about yourself, about who you are, will not hold water in 10, 20, 30 years. Did you know I read this fact? Did you know that you are not even the same biological person that you were 70 years ago sitting in this chair? That seven years from now, you could come to this very same camp, sit in this very same chair. You would at the biological level not be the same person because every cell in your body is replaced every seven years. You're not even the same person and man, you look at your identity and who you are, all those things that you find your identity in, any one of those things could be changed in a flash. Uh, for this particular message on identity and finding our identity in Jesus, I wore uh, this. This is my green shirt and my uh, jeans. I got this shirt at Old Navy. I bought these jeans uh, from, I don't remember, Sears, something like that, and these are my brown shoes. I did a social experiment a year ago. I did it on my mom, and she didn't even notice. And here's what it was. I did it with everybody. I decided for a year I would wear this would be my costume. This would be my outfit. I wore, I bought eight of these shirts, I bought four of these jeans, and I wore the same outfit every single day for one year. <laughs> did you even notice I wore the same thing every day for five days in a row? No, you did not. That's why you're laughing. I remember by the end of this experiment, at the end of this experiment, I went to our front desk ladies at the church, and I said, did you know I've been wearing the same thing every day? They looked at me, they're like, what? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. Same thing every day. They're like, why? I said, because I wanted to show that we all wear costumes. Man, we all wear masks. We all have this idea that what we are is this. That what we are is what we do. And that doesn't have anything to say about our soul. All those things are subject to change. Anything that you could say about yourself could be changed tomorrow. All of it could be gone in an instant. You could lose interest. You could change directions. You be could become the hipster tomorrow that you mock today. Or you could wear the same outfit for a year. Man, you are not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not the same in interest, not the same in who you are, not the same even from a biological, fundamental way. And then you read this. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that word same means? I looked up that word same. You know what that word same is? It's actually a personal pronoun. I don't know if you remember English class, some of you a personal pronoun. That word same, it could actually be translated himself. Jesus Christ is himself. Today, yesterday, and forever. Who are you? Man, who are you really? 
And when you think about yourself, when other people think about you, who are you? There are days that you wake up and you don't feel like yourself. What does that mean? People look at you and they say, you're not acting like yourself. What does that mean? People look at you and they say, man, you've changed. Or man, you haven't changed. And then you look at Jesus Christ as himself. Is himself. Everything. Every character quality. Every essence of who Jesus is. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The takeaway is simply this. Man, unless if you find your identity in Jesus, you're going to be like a boat without an anchor in the troubled waters of this world. Man, and maybe for you, man, maybe for you, you haven't even come to Jesus yet. Maybe you've been talking, moving, and how he's working. We've been singing songs. I want you to know, you want to hear some kind of crazy? When I was your age, the summer between my seventh grade and eighth grade year, I found my identity in Jesus in this room. I was standing against that wall, and my arms were folded because people were worshiping, and I hated worship. And my mom, I'm saying this is this message could also be called all the things wrong with my mom. And my mom used to take me to church. And she used to take me to youth group. And she used to force me to go to church. And the thing that I hated more than anything was the music. To me, the music, the only good thing about music was standing in the back, folding your arms, and staring at the chicks. <laughs> and that's what I did. Against that wall. Back in the summer of my seventh grade year, because I was forced to go to a camp that my mom signed me up against my will. <laughs> and she took away my Game Boy and shoved me on a bus. <laughs> and it was against that wall as I was checking out the ladies from the different churches that I looked into the face of those people singing and I realized that they had a joy that I didn't have and it was in one of these cabins. The cabin's names have changed at the time. The name of the cabin was Snake View. It was in that cabin that I first found my identity in Jesus. And maybe some of you need to find your identity in Jesus today. But you know, finding your identity in Jesus isn't a one-time thing because we get lost in it. Man, I'll be honest with you, I get lost in it. Because there's a lot of things that I am that I want to find my identity in. I want to find my identity. You saw it maybe if you read my bio. I want to find my identity in being a runner. I want to find my identity in being in a band and playing music. I want to find my identity as a pastor. And I have all these labels of who I am. But even one of those could be gone tomorrow. And I need to constantly find myself to be lost in the identity of the only one who does not change, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes now and question, who am I? Who am I really? When I think of myself, 
What do I see? And is that identity, that core of who I am, is it Jesus? Pastor, that the band would come up now. As you just ask that question, contemplate the answers. Is there something that is so a part of who you are that has become your identity? And it could be gone tomorrow. You need to find yourself lost in Christ once again tonight as I did the first time ever in this room at your age. And what's your life really about? Who are you? And who's Jesus?